was here last week. I mean, enjoyed Jonah chapter 1. Give you a short review about Jonah chapter 1. If you look at it, we've been going through the whole book of Jonah for the next two weeks. We'll get 3 and 4. Today is 2. Um, we looked at chapter 1 where Jonah was called by God to go 500 miles to Nineveh. And Jonah responded by going 2,500 miles the other direction. <laughs> and he decided not to listen to God. He wanted to flee from the presence of God. And how many know that's impossible to do? And he went through a series of things, going, uh, going into, on, and found him a boat to get on, and went sailing with a bunch of sailors, went to sleep, and God brought a storm. And we talked about three things. One thing about Jonah, when he was running, he was disobedient, and he, one thing he did, he caused damage everywhere he went because the boat was breaking up because of the storm. And we know when we're disobedient, it's not a private event. It will hurt our families or hurt the people around us. It will cause damage. Second thing is we know he went down, down to the bottom to go to sleep when the storm was going. Everyone was calling out to their gods, and he's just sleeping. He says it was a deep sleep. He was out, and they came and woke him up, and he was untouched. He was numb to the, to, um, to the, to the situation. He was numb to the storm. Anything that was going on, we call that part callous. So he was causing damage. He was callous. And the last thing is when the sailors asked him, who are you? He says, I'm Jonah. I fear God greatly. Well, if you're fearing God greatly, how come you're running away from God? Your, your, your talk is not matching your walk. He was deceived. And it all makes you wonder, if the storm never came, would he was just thinking he was still following God? Because the ship he was on, he would have been gone about three years and thinking he was still fearing God. Well, they wind up throwing him overboard. His last thing was he was deceived. They threw him overboard. They didn't want to, but they threw him overboard. He, it's his idea, sacrifice himself to be thrown overboard. So you can see how he was said no, disobeyed, and there's a key word that's all through this passage, the first chapter. He kept going down, 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 down. It's amazing. When you walk away from God, your life seems to go down, down. He went down. And found the boat. He went down to sleep. Now he's going. Th- he's getting thrown overboard. He's going down into the water. And we pick up chapter one, verse seventeen, all the way to chapter two, verse ten. And we pick up the story there because he's in a bad situation. And it says this, verse seventeen, chapter one. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish. Three days and three nights. Now, remember last week I talked about in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus related this story as a sign, talking about the resurrection. Being, as Jesus died for three days, gone three days and came back. He used that as a sign of Jonah to really authenticate that Jonah really existed in the Bible. And also to show them that um, three has a very big significance in the Bible. Chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from where? Wow, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and he heard my voice, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me, and all your waves and billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The water closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. The weeds were wrapped around my head. 
At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to you to vain idols forsake the hope of steadfast love, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will repay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And then the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out, of, out upon the dry land. Part two of Jonah. We call this one God's persistent plan. God's persistent plan plan. When we talked about earlier, God had a plan for Noah, and Noah had a plan of his own, and he thought he can run, but God had a plan that needed to get taken care of, and Jonah was his man, regardless what Jonah has done. One thing about God's plan and our plan, the Bible says this, that we have plans in our heart, but really the purposes belong to God. He will get his purpose across. Anyway, anyhow, he desires. And you know, there's one thing about this. That when you're in a bad situation, how many believe Jonah was in a bad situation? It's, bad, it's worse. It's something to be in a bad situation. It's another thing to be in a bad situation that because of your choices. It was his choice that put him in this bad situation. But God's grace said, I'm not going to take them out. I'm still uh, going to use you regardless with the seaweed in your hair. You're going to be used by me because I have work for you to do. See, God loved Jonah too much to let him succeed at failing and God his own plan. So much God loves us so much that he doesn't want us. He, does, he will not let us fail in his plan. I love that. I sure enough love that. You know how if you know me long enough, some of you guys, you can relate to this story. We had a um, German shepherd, and some of you guys will say, I know that guy, I know that German shepherd. His name was Samson. Samson was a 120-pound king shepherd, all brown. Miss Donna's dog wasn't my dog. I bought him. He was this small, and he grew this big. Samson was what they call an uh, alpha male. So we had another dog. The other dog didn't survive because he was an alpha male. So we had to get rid of the dog because Samson wanted his territory. And everything was his territory. Well, we were building a house out south, and we had, had a house over in Canterbury Trails and had a big backyard. And we had a big, in the back of our house, you can see um, in our house, we had a big, nice patio and Samson loved the house because he could see us directly. And Samson, what he would do, he's a, he was just trained. That's the way he did it. He would lay between the house and out there to make sure no one gets into the house. Well, we had to move into a rent house because our house sold so quick. Well, we took, paid about $1,200 to get another fence put in because we had to figure out a place to put this guy. And um, this house didn't have the same luxuries. And Samson was used to looking inside the house. Well, we put the fence up. One day went by, no problem. Next day, we came home. The gate 
of the fence, wooden fence. Half of it is torn out. And Samson took off and sat on the, on the porch. So I go, I'm going to rebuild the gate. So I rebuilt the gate. Put some stones there. Thought I was doing okay. Came home again. Stones removed. Seemed like the resurrection, huh? <laughs> the stick, I mean, the, the uh, pegs, torn out. Samson's around the neighborhood. So I get intelligent. I have a plan. I go to PetSmart, which I don't call them that anymore. <laughs> Spend 120 some dollars for this security, electronic security thing that if dogs get close to it, they uh, feel the um, waves of electricity, they back off. So uh, we did that. Fixed the gate. Put bricks. Put the nice border around there so he will not go out there. And I tested it out. Turn it up to max. He steps out there. His hair goes, woo. He back out. <laughs> go to work. Come back. Stones removed. <laughs> gate is ripped out. He's there. So we decided, let's tell, let's, what is going on? So we turned it back up again. They said, turn it up to the max. So we maxed it out. So I watched Samson. He will go to the uh, edge, and he didn't mind if his hair is flying around. <laughs> and he's shaking, but he's ripping stuff out the way. <laughs> so they're not pet smart any longer in my eyes. <laughs> he was persistent. He had a plan. Defaulted my plan. Guess what the result of that plan was? He stayed in the house, in the laundry room, where he wanted to be in the first place. <laughs> this is the story you're looking at. God wanted Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah said, no. I'm going to get on a boat. And God said, well, there's a storm. There's, other, there's a fish, and the fish represents salvation. But I'm going to get my way. Have you noticed when God tells you to do something, he will not let you off the hook? And you try to go here, and you try to go there, and you find three people to tell you the same thing God told you. What are you doing here? You, I can't get away. If you're in that position right now, just do what he says, please. Because as committed as Jonah was to avoiding God's plan, God is that much more committed to accomplishing his plan. Like Samson, he was committed, spent a lot of money trying to get this out. When you look at this story, there's three things. To get his plan across, there's three areas that God would, three things God would use. First, he would use circumstances when you look at the story. Second one is desperation. And the third one is his word to get his plan across. Let's look at the first one, circumstances. We know God, we realize when you're reading this and we see the storm, God put the storm, God put the fish, God is sovereign, which means he has all creation at his disposal to get his plan accomplished any way he wants to. Any way he wants to. The mariners, they pull lots. Oh, Joni, your name came up. Add a lots. Are you kidding me? How'd you know? We got to throw you overboard. Who planned that? God. The storm. Who? We read that. God. 
created such a storm that they knew this is not an everyday, uh, everyday storm. They were calling out to their false gods. Third thing, who made the fish? Now, when you read the story, sometimes you think it was a big whale. But when you look at the word in the Hebrew, it was a giant fish. It wasn't a whale. And you see that Jonah acknowledged that in verse 3. He said, for you cast me into the deep. You cast me into the deep. Your ways built over me. You did this, God. Amazing. When you're going through something, how many of you in a, in a bad situation? A lot of times, God, and most of the time, God is doing it, but sometimes we think it's others doing it. It's not other people. It was my, 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 you did this. They did this. I'm, you're blaming everybody else? It's not them. It's not them. It's God himself trying to get your attention. You ever been there? That church, them people, my mother, my father. It's God. They got you in a vice. You feel like you're in the belly of a fish. It's God, not them. It's amazing sometimes when we have to pray. People say, can you pray God's will? Sometimes you got to know exactly what God wants. Sometimes we can't touch it. We can't do anything because we can see that, oh, God's working on that person. And until they get it right, he's got them on the the press. But a lot of times, because look at Jonah. He created his own challenges with his choices. A lot of us create our own challenges with our choices. And our sovereign God will make sure you get back on track. And now the circumstances, God is not, guys, is not for you to look at the circumstances. You don't want the circumstance to get your attention. God wants to get your attention so you can hear him again. So God is doing that to him. He was using the circumstances, the flood, I mean, the, the storms, the fish, all those areas, the water, to get his attention. Now, it's amazing when you read this prayer, we think that he's praying to get out of the fish. He's actually, it's a prayer, they call it a prayer of thanksgiving and deliverance. He's praying for the, he's praying and thanking God for the fish. Because when we get to the next one, it's desperation. He was in a desperate place. God will use desperation to bring you back. Bring, God used just desperation to bring Jonah in line with his purposes. God will use, he was in a desperate spot. Let's look at verses 2 through 6. Let's listen. Just read. We're going to read this. It's amazing when you look at it. It says, make sure I've got my Bible. I can't see it. It says, I called out to the Lord out of my what? Distress. He was distressed. And he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. The word Sheol means and what we call hell. In the, in the Hebrew, his word, I cried out with my voice. That word cry, I mean, it was loud. For you cast me into the deep, for you cast me into the deep in the heart of the seas. And the flood surrounded me. All your waves, your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall look again look upon your holy temple and the waters closed over me to take my life. And the deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. And the roots of the mountains, he was down low. 
went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought my life from the pit. Sound like desperation. He was desperate. He was definitely desperate. What happened when we get desperate for God? Something takes place in us. We come to the end of ourselves. Anybody who wants to serve God, we don't tell you this in Bible school. There's a breaking that must take place. It's like a wild horse. Wild horses, you see them in the stables now? Someone had to get on them and break them. To be broken means I give it all and my whole life is surrendered to Christ because I want to be on the throne. I want to be in charge. I want to make the right, I want to make all the decisions. And we don't understand in this area, he was being broken. And the longer he resisted, God has time. If you're in the belly of the, feel like you're in the belly of the fish, how long does it take for you to break? Because it comes with a breaking. How long does it take you? That's the spot in God. No one, it's a spot no one can help you. It's just you and him. And there's a breaking that has to take place in us. A surrender. Because before Christ, we were on the chair. Calling the shots. And some of you might want to keep sitting on the chair calling the shots. But it tells me when you looked at the Timothy 2 process with John Maxwell, he says we come off the chair. Jesus gets on the chair and we get down here. Because that's where he was prior to me accepting and believing in him. And that's a process of breaking. It's not preached much. But it's a process of breaking, desperation. Because what happens when you're desperate? You're the greatest praiser, aren't you? You are. What happened when it's peacetime? I got a couple days. I can write off the grace of three days ago. We talked about our men's meeting the other day. Men don't do well in peacetime. <laughs> We don't do good because we, we, we're everywhere. We need a challenge. It's a breaking. Desperation. It's a breaking. Some of you there. Don't resist. Look at our Lord and Savior. We talk about the breaking of bread, the breaking of his body, giving up his life for us, the greatest sacrifice. At least the seed falls to the ground and, 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 and breaks out, it will never be any good. And we're seeds, and we need to be broken before God. Is it a good process? No. Does it hurt? Yes. But at the end, it's better because I know that I know that he's the one that's in charge. When you go from the circumstance, in the middle of your circumstance, you do have you get desperate because nothing seems to work. The next reading doesn't work. The prayer didn't seem to work. Only you and God. 
and you have your, only your attentions on him. Because we do. We become, when we're in that time, we become wordsmiths. We're in the Bible all the time. My last point is this. God uses his word to bring Jonah in line with his purpose. Now, when I read the, the, the story here, I said, this guy was very articulate to be in the belly of a fish. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't think I can be that articulate being in the belly of, you know, because how many, I got some fishermen here who's ever fished, cut open fish, fillet fish, anybody fillet fish? One guy, two guys, thank you, men. Oh, ladies, all right. Okay, so we're going to have a barbecue class and a fish fry class. <laughs> and you know what's inside that fish. Especially if you're in, like in South, Southern, in Florida, when you open up a group of they eat everything, you pull it all out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, it's not, what are you looking at me like that? They're in a fish. You know, you're all sitting there, and he's so articulate. And then I read the background is chapter 2, verses 2 through 9. His prayer, it's a prayer, is a collection of the Psalms. He's using the Psalms to get through. He was praying the word. If anything he did right, he didn't do anything else right to that point. He was praying the word. And when you're in a jam, you, gotta, you can't pray your word. You can't pray Pastor Rich's word. You can't pray Elder Mark's word. You got to pray God's word. Some of the Psalms he was using, if you got a pen, you can write them down. Psalms 5 2, Psalms 18 4 through 6, Psalms 30. Um, verse 3, Psalms 56, verse 13, Psalm 69, verse 1, Psalm 88, verse 4, Psalm 103, verse 4, Psalm 116, verse 3, and Psalm 120, verse 1. That's just a collection when I was going through that. Because I'm like, this guy is praying... This is amazing prayer. But I always say this. What life does to you is what life finds in you. And we got to be in the word at that time. Don't, when you feel like you're in the belly of the fish or you're in a bad situation, don't abandon the word. Don't abandon it. Get in it. David, do you have the, some of y'all read the Psalms? Boy, he's depressed. Yeah, well, you're getting chased down. You're in a cave. But he was praying the word, God's promises, which built him up. You don't abandon the word from the circumstances. And you become desperate, get broken. And every word I want to speak is God's word, not mine. If I'm not broken, I'm going to give you some slick thing to do. If I'm broken before God, it's his thing. This is his plan. The whole church thing is his plan. It really is. I just laugh and just, I just, I said, God, you're amazing. How you put this together. If we submit to his plan. And this is Jonah. From 25 miles out. 25, trying to head the other way. Now he's in the belly of a fish. And he did all this in the belly of the fish. He wasn't on the shore. I guess I'll, pre, I guess I'll pray now. He was in the belly of the fish. Where whatever that fish was eating. What? <laughs> a little seaweed. It's not bad. 
Go to Okinawa. Seaweed's really good for you. And he's sitting there praying God's word because he had to have it before he went into the, to the, to the fish. A lot of times we study the word before we get into the jam. It's kind of late to try to find a chapter and verse when you're in the middle of the jam. Because jams come up at the most awkward times. So a show goes in him, though he disobeyed. Now the writer said he didn't see anything him repenting at all. He didn't repent one bit. But if you look at verses 8 and 9, it says this. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope and steadfast love. Now, he's talking about those sailors. Now, he's, now he's, back, he's back in now because everything you're reading in this in his, um, psalm, he's got some faith. You brought me out. You will do this. He had some faith in the midst of his circumstances. But I, with the voice of what? Will sacrifice you, and I vow that I will repay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It's interesting on this. I'm going to praise you in the middle of this fish. A voice, a loud voice of thanksgiving. Thanking you for the fish. Because fish represent salvation. Thanking you for orchestrating all this thing and I'm still alive. Not the circumstance. Don't pray about the circumstance going away. Thank God that you're still here and he is orchestrating all things. And he does it very well. Amen? Amen. And he's ready to obey. The vow, I will, I will take care of that. It's a scripture I like in Isaiah 59.1. And some of you might feel like you're in that, in the belly of a fish. And I think a lot of you are stuck on part two. You're desperate. You don't want to give it up. Men are good at that. I stay in the cave until I work it out. It's not going to work out. It's not going to bear. It's not going to work out. It's not going to work out. Come out of the cave and surrender. Oh, yeah, young guy. Yeah, look, self-made man, right? Yeah, don't believe that. My dad sold me that too. Isaiah 59.1 says this. Behold, the hand is not too short, not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that he cannot hear. I want to encourage you. There's not a, a pit too deep that God can't reach down and pull you out. And you're not too far. There's not a distance too far that he can't hear you cry. The minute you say, Jesus, the minute you say, help me, he's there. He's working it. Now, you might not feel, but you're still here to say it. Now, God, here's the thing about it. When we're in something, see, God can change things in a situation in a minute, just like that. But it took Jonah three days and three nights to change his heart. Alive is our heart. He's trying to change our heart. How long will it take you? Now, don't blame the people. He'll use people. He'll use anything he desires, like my dog, Samson. Samson had a plan, and he was persistent. And I wish I had got the revelation prior to going to PetSmart, because that was a lot of money, and especially before he even got there. $1,200 for a fence that it just broke, and at his end, when we moved out, we had a big windstorm. Guess what happened? The fence fell over. 
So I'm like, wow. And you know what the whole thing was? Here's the here's key, because I can't blame it on, on Samson. God said, you know, Samson needs to be in the house. Yeah, no, he doesn't. He's an outside dog. He'll get used to it. Who won? God got my attention. And it's, that cost me some money. But the minute, here's a, here's a wrap up on this. The minute he said, I'm going to, with my voice, I'm going to give thanksgiving. At the end of the story, give me the last verse. The Lord did what? Spoke to the fish. He couldn't, Jonah couldn't speak to him. The Lord spoke to the fish and brought him out, Jonah, out of on dry land. Back, here's the thing. When you think you um, believe that you miss God and you screwed up so bad that God can't use you, story in this thing says all he did, you'd never lost a step because all he did was spit him back to where he actually was supposed to start in the first place. Some of you say, I'm, I'm too far gone, too far gone. I messed up too bad. No, God's grace. You look down, it's worse. what happens is people, we look at it this way. When we say people backslide by going backwards, they backslide by not moving. So they're not moving. So he didn't move for three days, really. He was in God's incubator. And some of y'all are like, I hate this fish. It's just a circumstance that will go. I hate this fish. Cry out to God. Get desperate and stay desperate. I hate this fish. Step out. The word. I hate this fish, but I'm going to read the word. Don't blame people. Don't blame your boyfriend. Don't blame your girlfriend. Don't blame your husbands. Don't blame your wives. Because usually they hear from the spirit a lot faster than we do. Commercial. And wives ought to pay me when this is over. God, God wants your attention. Does he have it? Now, here's the thing. You can sit and stew in it and feel all the juices and the enzymes. Because I know when he spit out, he probably was white as snow. Like, oh, my gosh. What? Y'all look what's wrong. You got to have a visual. I'm a visual person. He praised them. When he said, I'm going to praise you in the midst of it, God said, I'm, you're ready. You're ready. How many in it feel like you're in the belly? Who feels like you're in the belly right now? Just stand up. If you feel like you're in the belly. Who else? Who else thinks you're in the belly? Who else? There's no shame here. Stand up. If you think you're in the belly, the fish, going through something. Now I'm going to have everyone stand. Because I know the ones that stepped out in faith and stood up, and I know some of y'all just, well, I'm not going to stand up. Someone might look at me. (laughs) Because I got it all together. No. 
XC Ministry who's raising support. They know about the breaking. <laughs> right? You can share a story about that. And we couldn't help you. It had to be broken. Praise will not let you look at the fish or the circumstance. It will have you look at God. So we're going to end in praise today. We're going to rejoice. Thanksgiving in the middle of this fish. Yeah, like, oh, I won't eat fish ever again. <laughs> Let God have his way in your life. Because the way he started the story, he ended that part. Here's a God. We serve a God who gives second and third chances. Amen. Amen. He had a second chance. He didn't miss a spot. He spit him right back down, right with now. Are you ready? He's okay. Let's start all over again. How many need to do over this morning? How many need to do over this morning? Yeah, let's just start all over again. You didn't miss nothing. You didn't drop nothing. It's all my plan. I love you so much to have you fail. You'll never fail in my kingdom. You'll never fail in my plan. I have you all yours. I'm all yours at your disposal every time. Can we praise the Lord this morning? Can we give him a hand clap? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Let's get him praise the Lord. Let's close out and praising him this morning.